Hey there, fans of brotherly love wrestling. It is I, Vic Delicious. Philly's own, the Mecca here. It is the real McCoy, J.D. Axe, Justin D. Xavier. It's your man, C.D., the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Hello, boys and girls. This is your old friend, R.J. City. Hey there, brotherly love wrestling. Bill Carr here. Hey everyone, this is two-time guest Wheeler Yuta. Two bozos from Philadelphia flapping their gums about pro wrestling this, pro wrestling that. Which is not that unique in the grand scheme of things yet. You are in for a treat because you're tuned in to Brotherly Love Wrestling. Philadelphia, are you ready? This is Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast, your first stop for everything professional wrestling. So sit back and enjoy wrestling talk at its finest with your hosts, Larry Hall and Joe Corrado. Welcome everybody to Brotherly Love Wrestling, and we are your hosts, Larry Hall, Joe Corrado, and our guest for this show, it's been a while since we've talked to him, and now much less action going on, right now anyway, during this interview than was last, joining we're, us once again. We're going for a mellow interview this time. Yes, yeah, yeah much mellow. mellow. Danny Limelight, welcome back. Mi gente, what up, brotherly love? Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing mellow about anything that involves me. So, <laughs> you know, I got the red cup. You know, I'm chilling at the crib. You know what I'm saying? How y'all doing, man? It's been a minute. It's been like almost two years, right? Almost two years. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I think this was during pandemic and lockdown. Mm-hmm. You were about to do a no-crowd show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, also being on AEW, which is why yeah. it, with that show... We dubbed you Ravishing Danny Limelight. Hey, you actually came through with a promise. Yes. You did the hip swivel and you blew us a kiss live during yeah. a match, which was hilarious. We don't get to pop yeah. much during a uh, a show like that. No, so that was fun. Hey, I'm a man of my word. You know what I'm saying? If I say I'm going to do something, I got to do it. All right. So now I got to think about what I can have you do for an MLW show. <laughs> well, and speaking oh, of MLW... Uh, you guys were just in town at the 2300 Arena. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we were not able to attend. We did miss it. But from I'll all leave accounts... the podcast. <laughs> Damn it, Larry. <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have mentioned that until we got like 30 minutes in. <laughs> but uh, from all accounts, it was an amazing show, which doesn't surprise us with MLW. Um, was this the first time you were in or wrestled in 2300 Arena? Nah, I haven't been there a few times now. Um, okay. I won the titles, the MLW World titles there in Philly. Um, I made my debut in Philly with MLW. Uh, we had came back a few times after that. And then I went. I was there a few times in New Japan doing the Team Filthy thing. So I actually just came back from Philly. I had a, I was in Philly with MLW, D.C. with New Japan, and then Philly again with MLW, I mean, with New Japan um, at the 2200 Arena. So I, me and Philly are getting quite acquainted, I would say. Now, Shout out to all the Philly ladies for showing me a good time. I appreciate that. Yes, there is uh, plenty of those in that city of Philadelphia. Very Sin lovely. City nightclub. That's my favorite one out there. 
<laughs> I know exactly which one. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jade from Sin City. <laughs> Excuse me, Jada. That's her real. <laughs> I don't even know if we could use this. Now. We'll take care of that in post, as the professionals yeah, yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> so. Tell me what it's like compared to, say, the West Coast, like coming to a city like Philadelphia. Oh, man, Philly. I love Philly because you never know what you're going to get. It's the unexpected. The crowd the crowd is always hot, and they're going to love you, and you're going to know it, or they're going to hate you. You're going to know it. And uh, I always have a ball, especially when I got the microphone in my hand in front of a hot Philly crowd. And, you know, once I get the mic in my hand, it's mic on, safety off, and the Philly crowd eats that shit up. Last time I was in Philly, matter of fact, some fucking ugly-ass duck in the first row done threw a whole drink in my face. That's not surprising, and, nor is that the, the first time. And the worst part about it is that this shit was all over my fucking Hall of Fame Jeter jersey. <laughs> That's why he threw it at you. <laughs> yeah, she. it was a female. That's why she threw it at you. She like a fucking duck. And she, <laughs> she literally... Ruined my Hall of Fame Jeter jersey. I hope she sees this. You owe me like $200. Oh, which is cheap tequila weird. drinking ass. That's bad. I cool. mean, I feel bad because I know the feeling, but it's Jeter. So it's hard for me to actually get past the name and the Yankees. So, I mean, part of me, part of me gets it. The part of me gets the other side. I don't, know, I don't agree don't with this. Jeter. Uh, of all the Yankees, I think Jeter. Oh, absolutely! The captain, he does, he he deserves all the respect. He's one of the only ones I'll ever really care about. Is Jeter. That's Be right. <laughs> so in Philly, would you rather be booed by the crowd or would you rather feel the hot baby face energy? I'm a boppy. I like to get booed by the fucking. I like I like I, I like to talk my shit. You know what I'm saying. I like to get in front of that crowd with a microphone and say whatever I feel. And, New, Yorker, and New Yorkers rarely have a hard time garnering heat from a Philadelphia fan. Man, I get, you know, wherever I go, I don't even try to get heat and I get heat. I don't know what it is. I mean, a lot of some of my boys in the back, you know, they'd be like, man, you the fucking heat magnet, bro. Everywhere you go, you get in trouble. So I don't know, but I just be living life. I be vibing this shit, you know? I mean, it's helped get you to where you're at. So maybe an all like a natural ability is, I mean, that's the only way to go. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've stayed authentically me since this whole journey began. So, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. You know, Philly's hot. I love Philly. I've had some great matches in Philly, um, some dope memories, you know, so I'm excited to see what's next. We're coming to New York, June 23rd, MLW. Gonna be uh, hot. I'm co- Poppy's coming home. It's gonna be a tough crowd to uh, get booed by for you. And it hasn't been announced, so I'm gonna give you the sneak little link. Um, pause. Um, but I'm supposed to be coming to New Jersey in August for a certain company. I guess a certain historic team. Not gonna say any names or any companies yet. Okay. I'm gonna let y'all ponder on this. But I just confirmed the phone call earlier today. And it's going to be a first-time matchup, and it's going to be nostalgic, and it's going to be lit. Hmm. Is it a tag team match, or is it a singles? Ah, come on. You're asking too many questions. Now, you're talking <laughs> one of my ex-girls. <laughs> trying, to, trying to sneak that one in there. He fucking stomped me out right away. <laughs> I, I tell you what. What I will say is there's a hint, you know. I saw the shirt, yeah, and I didn't want to jump to any conclusion. I was like, <laughs> could there be – 
Good to be some, something going on. All right. Well, in New Jersey. Know. All right. So one more question. <laughs> From Philadelphia to this spot in Jersey, how far away is it? Fucking no, I was like, Matt Quest, <laughs> <laughs> you had me sit here for a second. And the, the Hennessy had to, I was thinking, the Hennessy went to the I, was I was like, bro, what are you doing? I, like, <laughs> I got him to think about it almost. I got him to think about close. it. Yeah, I did have one question I was thinking about earlier today when you were uh, because you did uh, some time with AW on AW Dark and, and whatnot. Yeah, and now you're primarily with MLW, and you do a stint in New Japan and some various independent shows, but mainly MLW. Would you say? So I don't do any indie shows. Okay. Um. Though I actually now I'm gonna sound like a fucking dummy because I'm gonna retract that statement. Okay. Retract. It. I do one indie show. Okay. Uh, and it's the Republic of Lucha Lucha Bro show. Those my boys, uh, really good friends of mine. So. I did their indie, their first indie show, their one year anniversary of their store opening uh, a couple months back, and I'll be returning uh, June nineteenth in LA. Um, but usually, I just do MLW New Japan and United Wrestling Network, which is all TV. Um, and I also, so here we go again, just accepted another indie booking for a company in LA called VWE, and that match is going to be happening in July. And it's me and Slice Boogie against Lil Cholo and Chavo Guerrero. Ooh. And for everybody that knows me and knows my career, knows why I accepted that match. So, so I mean, you're you do indie shows with an asterisk. It's got to be the right. It's got to be the right match. Yeah, I, I, this is no. This, I'm not an indie darling. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a TV poppy now. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't just take any booking, any old town. You know, I I I don't need to. You know. Um, I get to thoroughly enjoy my life based on the foundation that professional wrestling gave me, based on the foundation that the Marine Corps gave me, and based on the foundation that promoting in clubs in L.A. gives me now. So, you know, I don't really take too many dates. I took the VWE date because Cholo helped uh, when I came back to wrestling after my, my my little break from it when I was in the military as a drone instructor. Um, little Cholo was kind of the guy that was the kind of my school. You know, I, I guess you right. I guess you ready to get back to it. He kind of looked out for me, him and Mariachi Loco. And then Chavo Guerrero is obviously, you know, a legend. And that's, legend. you know, y'all know, y'all know how I feel about Eddie. I'm actually in the process of reading Eddie's book right now. So this match is, for, for me, this match is for Eddie. You know, that's why I accepted it and I get to do it with Slice Boogie. Yeah. This um, is a- and the Lucha Bros shows, because, you know, as I said, it's Lucha Brothers. You know, I got a lot of love and respect for them. Um, they show me mad love. So, you know, I always show them love. And it's a good show. It's a fun show. But you can see me on MLW, on New Japan Strong as part of Team Filthy. Or United Wrestling Network with the Bodega. Um, and it's, that's really much that's all I do, you know? All right. So my question, I'm going to try and word this correctly. So between, You the FBI, bro? Am I FBI? No, this you is, got a lot of questions. <laughs> well, that's the point of my job is to ask the question so we don't, I'm, I'm we don't sit here in silence. <laughs> <laughs> so between – I'll just use MLW for the example. Between MLW and AEW, like – AW's got what I consider like a really bloated roster of like there's a lot of if you were to to sign with AW you'd have to like tooth and nail claw to get to the top of that company. MLW's got a little more of a I mean still a good size roster but do you find it 
what do you find better, more fulfilling for you? Like if you were to sign with AEW and have to try and get to the top of a bloated roster or in the spot you're at now with MLW kind of like kind of running your own thing and doing really well and getting the this question right here, this is like like you are op right now. This question right here is like a double-edged sword. This question right here is kind of like, like if I came home from a club at three in the morning and I had some chick with me and I get a call from another girl and she's like, you want to come here? Now you're trying to have me choose between two guaranteed good times. You know what I'm saying? I am. Um, I would like to just say both of y'all come here and we can figure it out between both parties with all these forbidden doors and open doors and all that. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at AEW. I had a blast. I feel like the year that I was, well, almost a year that I was with them, you know, uh, under the negotiations that we had, they showed me a really good time. They helped me build my 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 stardom. I'm going to use quotations, you know, however you want to look at it. But it definitely raised my stock. It definitely brought more eyes on who Danny Limelight was. And it's part of the reason why MLW did offer me the contract when they did. Um, and that, that, the, the one thing that I liked about AEW was that, you know, I was on, Monday Night Limelight is what I used to say. And I was on Elevation every Monday. I was on Dark every Tuesday. And then, you know, I did have a Dynamite appearance and I wrestled Kenny Omega and all that stuff like that. They gave me a lot of opportunities to wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the world, the best wrestlers in the world. Um, people say that their roster's bloated. They say all the stuff and stuff like that. But me personally, I think Tony Khan is a genius when it comes to wrestling. Um, he, he loves this business. I've seen him talk about it. And I have a lot of respect for the decisions he makes. I, I like what they're doing between Elevation, Dark, Dynamite, Rampage, Ring of Honor now, you know? So there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of wrestlers. He also gave me an opportunity during a pandemic when a lot of people wasn't wrestling, you know, to make a good amount of money and be able to provide for my daughter and myself and live the life that I want to live. So I love AEW for that. What I love about MLW now is that, one, the first thing is I got to work with Conan, who's helped me a lot in my career since 2016, when he brought me to Tijuana, Mexico for the first time after seeing me wrestle on an indie show. Um, and then bringing me to the crash over and over, bringing me to AAA. He was the first person that hit me up to talk to me about MLW. And his plan was LAX 5150, you know, with, you know, it was supposed to be me slice Boogie and Homicide or Junior Smokes. Homicide's in and out. Hernandez is coming in and out now. Boogie's in and out. But really right now, 5150's on my back. You know, Conan was sent prayers and thoughts to Conan, who's currently healing from surgery. Um, but he, he he did a lot for me. You know, Court Barra, MLW, they did a lot for me this last year. They gave me a platform to really now show people, okay, not only can Danny Limelight wrestle with the best in the world, this motherfucker could talk with everybody. And, and I think that for me, one of the main things that made me me is this right here. I got a silver tongue. This this tongue right here is not only for the ladies. It's for the mic. You know what I'm saying? Pause. It's to be able to sit there and, and say what I want, how I want, and spit the truth. Everything I say on the microphone is real life. I don't, I don't cap on the microphone. I don't say shit. I can't back up on the microphone. If you hear me talking about sipping Henny and partying in the club, you check my story on Instagram or Twitter, you're going to see me with some Hennessy and some women in the club vibe. That's who I am. And I think that MOW. It's building a great new roster with a lot of upcoming talent that have bright futures and bringing in people from the past and people that are currently present. You know, you look at the MLW World Champ, Hammerstone. Guy, the guy looks like professional wrestling. You know, you got Davey Richards, who's a veteran, you know what I'm saying, who I just threw down with not too long ago on an episode of MLW. TJP's in and out. I and mean, they bring in people like Los Maximos, Gangrel, you know, Savio Vega's back there. There's just so much from the past, present, and the future in MLW. And I love to be a part of it because 
the, when I first walked into those doors, I was representing LAX 5150 and the Puerto Rican flag, which to me is very important to represent for my culture and Latinos everywhere. I got a Puerto Rican and Mexican little girl at home. She's eight years old. Shout out to my daughter, Khaleesi. Um, and it's important for her to see Latinos on TV doing good, prospering. When I was growing up, we didn't really have Puerto Ricans on TV like that unless you were looking at J-Lo or Mark Anthony. You understand? And then even in wrestling, Puerto Ricans, you know, after Sabio Vega left and, you know, like there wasn't really many Puerto Ricans on, on wrestling TV unless you look at Carlito, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, he did it for a while. But there he's was still doing, you know, still doing it. He looks great. By the yeah, way. He, like, he looks really he, good. But when I was looking at Latinos, I looked at Eddie Guerrero, I looked at Rey Mysterio, I looked at Chavo Guerrero. Those were the, the Latinos that was on TV every week. That's all I had to look up to. So now that I get to be one of those faces, you know, and then after me, then you had Santana Ortiz, who took over for Homicide and Hernandez, and just building that legacy of, you know, Puerto Rico's Latinos is important to me. And MLW allowed me to do that. And they gave me my voice. They gave me the opportunity to constantly, week in and week out, cut promos, talk my shit, be me, and then do what I want in the ring. And I think that I've finally been able to show the world that watches wrestling and is learning about Daniel Lama. Okay, Daniel Lama, Rivera, this kid, this is who he is. Like, there's no gray area. This is him. You know, and you could tell when I'm saying what I'm saying. You can tell right now listening to me talk on this fucking podcast with y'all. You know, I've known y'all two years now, and it's all love, so I know I can keep it 100 with y'all. That's the only way I'm going to keep it. But I, I, I love what MLW is doing, and I'm excited to see what comes this next year that I have with them. Um, and we're going to see what's up. You know, there's a lot of people at MLW that I want to wrestle that I haven't wrestled. You know, I want to wrestle Myron Reed. He got the middleweight championship. I'll take that shit off his waist if I get a shot. You know, I want to wrestle TJP again. You know, I want to throw down with Hammerstone someday, Jacob Fatu. You know, they got, they're bringing in, you know, Casey Navarro, Enzo. There's so many people, ACH. They got so many people that are like, you know, people that are, that are really talented wrestlers on the show. And then MLW is giving them a platform to, to, to build on that. You know what I'm saying? And it's not saying that MLW is a step down or however people, fans, or whoever want to label what they want to label, what's the best wrestling, what's not the best wrestling. It's, it's, it's a company that has afforded me an opportunity to do what I love, travel, and live a life I live. And I have no complaints about that either. So whether I'm working at AEW, I'm working at MLW, or I'm working at New Japan Pro Wrestling, or I'm with United Wrestling Network, like, I have a blast. Every company lets me do what I do, you know? So. I mean, how important, if important at all, is it to – I know we're saying that MLW, it's not fair to rank wrestling companies because they're all different, but everyone can get to a next level. Like yeah. how important is it to be like one of the mainstays on that roster and get them to the next level? Oh, that's something that I take with pride because I want to be the flag bearer. Wherever I step into, I want to be the flag bearer. United Wrestling Network, I don't care who has the championship right now. I'm the flag bearer of that company. Of everybody currently on that roster besides Peter Avalon and Ray Rosas, you know, and very, very many few others, I feel like I've been there the longest. I've been the most consistent with the company, and I've been somebody that's been on that. You know, David Marquez, he, he took me in as an orphan child, I would say, in wrestling. No company wanted me. Nobody wanted to book me. David Marquez pulled me in, and that's why I'm here. He taught me TV wrestling. I know how to wrestle on TV because David Marquez and his staff, you know, and then David Marquez introduced me to Rocky Romero who even though I can't stand Rocky Romero, you know, he, I, I'll smack the shit out of him right now if I saw him. You know what I'm saying? He he got me into the doors of New Japan Pro Wrestling until I turned my back on him and joined Team Filthy with Tom Lawler. 
but that was the, that was the connection that I made through Dave and then Rocky pulled me and then because of what I was doing in New Japan that's how AEW saw me and then I went to AEW you know what I'm saying and then MLW and then you know between all that AAA and all these other companies that that to me is is important and, and I think that um when you when you're talking about you know leveling up yeah you can always get to the next level you know what I'm saying I I I felt like I had hit this little streak on the indies around 2019, early 2020. And then boom, I step into New Japan and my first match there, I'm wrestling with TJ Perkins. And then I'm in a tournament where I go all the way to the finals and wrestle Clark Connors, who's one of the best junior heavyweights right now that did his damn thing at the BOSJ in Japan. So for, for me, like that was, okay, boom, that took me to the next level. And then working with Tom Lawler and Kratos and you know uh, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, and running that faction, you know, leveling up. Now, now I know how to work with a faction, a group of people. Well, if we're at United Wrestling Network and I'm teaming with Slice Boogie and Fapo, the bodega, and it's, you know, I'm winning tag team championships there and I'm learning more about tag team wrestling. That took me to the next level. Then when I'm at AEW doing the single stuff, wrestling Kenny Omega, wrestling Matt Seidel, Brian Cage, Kenosuke Takeshita, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Ray Phoenix. You know, I could list all these people that I wrestled. Jungle Boy in the first ever episode, first ever match on AEW Elevation. I could list all these people that I wrestled that helped me get to the next level. You learn from every time you step into the ring. I go back, I watch my matches. That didn't look good. I probably shouldn't do that. Why did I do that? That was fucking dope. Okay, cool. And then now MLW. Boom. Now I'm wrestling Davey Richards. I'm doing the tag team thing again. I'm working with Conan. So now I'm learning from Conan. I'm picking Conan's brain. I'm working with Homicide and Hernandez, picking their brains, learning from them wrestling other people that I've never wrestled before. Now they had me a live mic. Now I'm cutting promos live in front of everybody's attendance, not skipping a beat, doing my thing. Now that's taking me to the next level. Okay, now this guy, he can wrestle, he can talk, he can do da-da-da-da-da-da-da. If you ain't trying to level up, if you ain't trying to you know, put in the work, then you, you're going to just plateau. That's one of the reasons why I think Chris Jericho is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's one of the GOATs because he always – not saying he's leveling up his talent in the ring, but he levels up what he's doing. He levels up his thinking, his, his game plan. And Jericho, he's a he's a master at at this craft. And if you watch from, you know, I, I never watched WCW when I was a kid. The first thing I watched was WWF. I didn't really watch WCW like that. And that's no disrespect to the company. I just didn't didn't watch it. Yeah. But when Jericho came in, he was just one person. And then throughout the years, he just leveled up, changed, stood relevant. Not saying that he was going to fall out of relevancy, but like he, he kept in tune with what's happening in the world too with his character. And, you know, the way he took the inner circle and, and made them stars. And now he's doing the same thing with the Jericho Appreciation Society. He, that, that's, that's next level thinking. That's next level heart for the business. You know, and I think that as you continue to do this thing in professional wrestling, you know, you get around certain people, you learn from certain people, and that's what helps you get to that next level unless you're too stubborn and think you know it all. This is a perfect time for your, your favorite question. Yes. Come on. <laughs> I'm single. All right. <laughs> your other favorite question. Okay. So um, is there a piece of advice uh, that you got when you were coming up, when you were training, it sticks out in your head that you may use day in, day out, in and out of the ring? I'm gonna keep it a hundred because I'm bullshit. People didn't really fuck with me like that when I was coming up. Like I felt like a lot of people was expecting me to fail or I felt like a lot of people thought that I was too cocky or too arrogant or they mistook my personality for some kind of negative type of body that they didn't want to help or assist. Um, 
so I, you know, lately Hernandez, you know, has been somebody that's been really getting on me about things I should be and shouldn't be doing. You know, uh, Marquez, David Marquez is another person that has given me little things here and there, talks, hey, why'd you say this? Why'd you do that? You know, and like, he kind of likes to play the devil's advocate. And I feel like I learn more when I have that person playing the fucking angel devil on your shoulder and like testing you to see how you're gonna, what you're gonna handle certain situations. Um, advice. I don't think there's anything that one person said that might've stuck out, you know? Um, yeah, you know, Aaron Sandow, uh, Aaron Sandow, Aaron Stevens, Damian Sandow. <laughs> fuck, yeah. I fucked yes. that one. No, it's okay. You put them together, but we still knew exactly who you were talking. Yeah. Of course. No, he was the one. He... Right before the right before the pen, like during the middle of the pandemic, right before Prime Time Live, he came up with the bodega idea. And I never wanted to do tag teams again. And he's like, this is gonna help you get your character stuff. And by character, not pretend to be somebody, he's like, you're gonna find your most authentic self in professional wrestling if you just trust me and and and, and go with this. And I had never met Papo Esco a day in my life. And I was like, I've been with this company at the time it was five years. I'm like, I've been with the company five years. Like I'm ready for my single shit. You want to partner me with some strangers that I've never met and see if like, if we don't have chemistry, this shit don't work. It's going to fuck me. You know, it's going to mess my shit up. And Papo, ended, Papo Esco ended up being a hidden gent that people hadn't really known about. And, you know, now he's the United Wrestling Network uh, world television champion. Um, and, you know, Steven Aaron was right. Like, it helped me get that character stuff down. And then, you know, TJ Perkins is another person who, you know, I'm a, I'm a TJP fucking fan. Mark, Mark, whatever you want to say, man. Shout out to TJP because right after he got done with WWE, he was I was one of his first indie opponents that he had when he came back to the Indies. At the, at the time, I was like the champion at one of these companies in San Diego. Um, and he was coming fresh off of being like, you know, he was the fucking first cruiserweight champion in WWE. He was the man coming back to the Indies. You know, he had been wrestling so long. He had the New Japan Impact. He did everything. You know what I'm saying? And I had a, a match with him in San Diego. And it was a great match. And he showed me a lot of love that he didn't have to show me. And, you know, then when everything, when I went to New Japan, I had my one-on-one with him again. You know, and it's just like, he's just somebody that from that point on, he would always hit me up. I didn't, you know, he'll watch the match and be like, I didn't like that you did this. Oh, you should have did that. Hey, take your time with your entrance. That's another important advice. You know, take your time with your entrance. You know, when I started making my, my debut at AEW and I started wrestling at AEW every week, you know, TJP was one of the few, very few people who watched all my matches and would give me feedback on all my matches. And he'd say, you look, you're walking into the ring like a wrestler who only has five minutes to wrestle. Take your time on your entrance. He's like, look at Randy Orton. How long does Randy Orton take on his entrance? You know, look at this person. Look at the rock. Look at that. How long do they take on their interest? They look like stars before they get in the ring. And that's something that, that stuck with me. I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm running to the ring. You know, why am I doing that? Why am I not taking my time? And that's something that now I pass on to every new person coming up. When I watch them on, to, like, United Wrestling Network, I'll call them, hey, you, took, you rushed to the ring. You look like somebody that only had five minutes to wrestle because TJ told me that. Another thing TJP told me was, like, he said, there's so many cutthroat people in this business. Everybody's trying to cancel everybody. Everybody wants everybody's spots. But he's like, there's enough wrestling going on right now for everybody to have a plate and for everybody to eat. 
And he's like, you don't need to take nothing off nobody's plate to eat. And that's something that stuck with me because, you know, coming from New York, like, I believed in that everybody eats mentality. That was the paid in full, you know, money-making Mitch, you know, Ace Boogie vibe, everybody eats. And if you take it for somebody else's plate, like, you're a snake. That, that's corny to me. You know, I, I'm not with the back door in. I'm not with the, the sneak this in. I'm not with none of that shit. I worry about myself. I worry about my daughter. You know, if you're not fucking me, feeding me, paying my bills, I don't care what you're thinking about me. And so when TJ told me that, I was like, man, that shit to me, like, that's, okay, boom. I don't need to cut through nobody. I can stay me. I can stay authentic and still make my do. And I did that. You know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I have made way more money in professional wrestling than I thought I ever would. You know what I'm saying? I ain't a millionaire yet. You know, but I've made a great living wrestling that I didn't think was possible when I was wrestling for $20 in San Diego. You know what I'm saying? So as far as advice, you know, I may not have, I mean, unless everything I've said right now is something that people could take from, but for me personally, just stay authentic to who you are. Like when I, when I go to the grave, you know what I'm saying? I already told my closest people, like, you better play Juicy by Biggie Smalls. You better play Frank Sinatra my way when they lower in my castle, because I did this shit my way and I still true to who I am. And to me, that's the most important thing. I'll never trade this right here, this authentic self of mine, for any amount of dollars, ever. I already broke the generational cycle. My pops was a drug dealer. My mom was a college dropout. I live a very great life now, breaking that cycle. My daughter's eight years old. She had to pay taxes this year. She made over $40,000 this last year at eight years old, working. I broke the generational cycle. Woo, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good living for an eight-year-old. <laughs> Why am I paying child support then? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke I always tell her mom. I'll be like, yo, your daughter's making more money than most people out there. Why I still got to pay child support? That's a joke between me and my daughter's mom. I want to give a second to shout out my daughter's mom, too, because I wouldn't be wrestling if it wasn't for her. She paid for my first few months of training out of her pocket because I didn't have the bread at the time. So there'd be no dang llama if there wasn't, you know, Miranda Garcia, or well, at the time, Miranda Rivera, who fucking, you know, paid, paid for my training. Shit, so. Wow. Good people. Mm-hmm. That's so, why every now and then I'll be like, yo, here, get your nails done, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much, though. I can't do it too many times. Nah. <laughs> I do have one more kind of, uh, if you want to call it like a legacy question. Uh, oh. End of your career, hanging the boots up. What do you want people to remember about Danny Limelight? I don't even wear boots. No. <laughs> <laughs> hanging up your wrestling nah, shoes uh, metaphorically speaking <laughs> um damn you know I, that i was like the same thing i just said that i was authentically me like he ain't switch up he stood who he was he was innovative because i felt like some of the shit that i do in the ring it's very creative you know very innovative i take pride in that you know i'm now you know i'm now helping agent matches at united wrestling network produce matches United Wrestling Network, and I'm starting to help guys open their creative box on how to do certain things. Um, so that's one of the things, you know, he, he was authentic. He stayed true to who he was. He was innovative. And, and that, I, that I kept it real. I had fun, you know? Like, that's something I want people to remember about. Like, he's like, man, that they could go back and watch. You know, I want to go watch a Danny Lime like to see what he was doing in the ring. Or I want to go watch a Danny Lime like promo. The way I go and I watch the Rock promos or the way I go and watch Ric Flair promos. I want people to go watch Danny Lime like promos, you know, see me talking my shit. You know, and, and I get my inspiration from from my life growing up, how I felt growing up in New York, how I felt going through the military, how I felt being a dad. Everything I say is real facts shit that, that, that I feel in my heart. And, and I think that, like, 
you know, when people watch the promo, you know, like, damn, what, where's the inspiration drawn from? It's drawn from that. And right before I go out and cut a promo, I put my headphones in. I listen to Big L talk his shit. For those of you that don't know, Big L was a rapper in the, the 90s. You know, go watch his stuff on YouTube. He's a dope lyricist, great bars, hard punchlines, you know, like, that's how, I, that's how I try to deliver my promos, with hard punchlines, real shit, real talk, real authentic vibes. It's a good name drop people, by you. What? I said, that's a good name drop by you. Yeah, Big L, man. 98 Freestyle is my favorite thing. That's the most... That's that's I'm about to go to the gym right now off the head and see if I turn that shit on. <laughs> well, you'd sweat it out if that's any consolation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to throw just a I don't know, I guess a fun hypothetical to to end it. So I want you to pick the perfect venue against the perfect opponent. It, and just put like the the best case scenario. Like say, for instance, like I'm wrestling. I'll. This wouldn't be mine, but Mania against AJ Styles, main mm-hmm. event. Put yourself. Uh, put yourself at the in the place and the time and the opponent. Shit, June twenty third, MLW. Danny Limelight Myron Reed for the middleweight title in New York City. Is is that realistic thinking? That's it right there. You kept the current New York City. We're at New York. June 23rd, wherever the fucking venue's at, June 23rd in New York City for MLW. <laughs> Danny Limelight versus Myron Reed for the middleweight open championship. That's my current dream match. I'm going to beat the shot of Myron Reed the way I did a year ago when I made my debut. Mm, big words. Maybe we can get Myron on for the rebuttal. Probably Myron not. Don't wanna, Myron, Myron don't want to do that. We don't want to get into an exchange of words. All right, we're gonna have to. You're gonna have to help us set this up. We need to. We need to split you guys. Split the screen. We've done this before. We've done this before. So we're semi pros. (laughs) Loosely pro, more semi. But but, (laughs) 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 fuck, I lost it. (laughs) That's gonna be my next shirt. Pause. Please, that's please do. It's a good one. I, I gotta fucking <laughs> I gotta hit my graphic guy up. That's my next shirt. Pause. Pause. So Danny, is there I know recently we jawed uh you released a shirt off Pro Wrestling Tees. Um where can they find obviously yes. Pro Wrestling Tees is the only Man, one? I got so many dope shirts. All my shirts match the newest J's, the newest ones, the newest SB dunks, you know, all the cool kicks that kids are wearing these days. Pro wrestlingtees.com backslash Danny Limelight. I got my new shirt, Mike on safety off. You know, I got the, I got a few other dope designs on there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Danny Limelight. Um, I'm not hard to reach. I'm not hard to find. Just hit me up and you always, you know, stay true to who you are. Spread love. That's the Brooklyn way. Danny, thank you so much again. Uh, it was great talking to you. Great seeing you again. Great catching up. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing you very soon. Good show.